the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We don't know much about Saints Simon and Saint Jude. In many ways, they're typical of apostles and saints like them. You, you hear some tradition they traveled around, and the tradition with Simon and Jude is that they died together as martyrs in Persia. But even with the lack of details, we know significant things about them that can uh, apply to our own Christian vocations. We know that Jesus called them to follow him, and then we know that Jesus sent them out into the world to be missionaries. The word apostle means one who is sent. The calling and sending the apostles provides a model for our own growth into maturity as Christians. We, in some way, reach called to follow Christ. We began as learners and followers. But at some point in time, we are called to transition into missionaries, to those who give to others for Christ. The apostles didn't begin as missionaries to far off lands like Persia. They began as disciples and followers. Jesus had an essentially three year ministry and during this time, the apostles were essentially apprentices. Jesus, to be sure, would send them out to do things, to preach in the towns of Israel, and then they'd come and report back on how the work went. And it was not always an unqualified success. There was, for example, the failed exorcism, when the man came to Jesus and said, how come your followers couldn't cast this out? And Jesus had to sort of um, finish off what they weren't able to finish. It wasn't until Ascension and Pentecost that they were called to fully make the transition from followers to leaders, from takers to givers. Jesus left them, he returned to the Father and sent the Spirit to them and essentially said, now you are all in charge. And then they began to preach and teach and prophesy and travel to distant lands to plant churches and evangelize. And that's how a couple of native Israelites ended up dying in Persia. This is a pattern for our own discipleship. We begin as learners and followers, as receivers of grace in the body of Christ. We begin by being taught the biblical story and learning how to apply that story to our lives. We learn to take note of more mature Christians and follow their examples. Our sins are forgiven and our wounds are healed. Then at some point in time, we, be, we begin to be called to go from takers to givers. Whereas we once looked to others to teach us, we come to be called to be those who are able to instruct others where we once looked to others to be examples, we are then called to be those who can provide an example for others to follow. 
Of course, we never stop needing grace or teaching or people to uh, imitate. But at some point in time in our lives, the balance should begin to shift. We should begin to go from net takers into net givers, from mere follower learner into missionary. A newborn child doesn't do much except for make noises and uh, poop. But when the child grows a little bit, there's an expectation that in addition to emptying out the refrigerator, it'll also do a few chores around the house. And then when the child becomes fully mature, there's the expectation that he will also help to fill the refrigerator and provide some for others. A young plant requires much water and sunlight. It's, it's a net taker. But we water a plant and fertilize and care for it with the expectation that at some point in time it will bear some kind of fruit. It will give back to us for what we've put into it. We can understand the transition from taker to giver through the lens of our Trinitarian theology. We believe that God created the world out of love. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father, and the Holy Spirit is their mutual love that flows between them and out into the world in creative activity. God is so full of love that it is natural for him to share it with others. Sin separates us from the love of God. It makes us concerned about our own needs. It makes us self-centered. When we are called to follow Christ, we are called out of that self-centeredness and back into the love of God. As we begin in the words of Ephesians to learn Christ, we begin to be filled again with the love that comes from God. And we experience a change in orientation. We are not, no longer focused only on our own wants and needs. We realize that we've been given gifts with which to meet the needs of others. We begin to see the needs around us in the world. And we begin to be filled, to, be, to be feel, feel like we're called to respond to those needs. And this is a restoration of the human vocation. We were made in the image of God in the beginning, which means that we were made to share in the fullness of his Trinitarian love. We are made to be participants and instruments of God's creative activity, to be signs of his love in the world. We lost this exalted status through sin, we are restored to it in Christ through the Spirit. In Christ, we again become full of God's love so that we are able to share it with others. We are able to participate in God's work of new creation. And this is why the mission of the church is not merely to do good things on a human level. It is to give to others what we have received from God. 
If we do not experience that love of God in Christ through the Spirit in the life of prayer, we cannot participate in the mission of the church. We can only give what we have received in prayer and sacramental grace through which we receive love from God are the necessary foundations for us to be able to share that love with other people. It is a problem in the church when a significant number of the church's members do not make the transition from childhood into adulthood, from taker to giver. It seems to be a particular problem in our time with the prevalence of the narcissistic personality and the ubiquity of the consumer culture. Many people live in perpetual Christian immaturity. I'm not being fed. I don't like this, and therefore I'm leaving. They complain and demand rather than sacrifice and serve. They are perpetually the problem and not the solution. They are perpetually children who never become adults. They are plants who drink in water but never bear any fruit. One sign of mature and healthy Christians is that they develop an outward orientation. They cease to be merely religious consumers and come to be, in some sense, missionaries. They stop demanding that the church do what they want and start asking how they can help with the church's mission. They're not only healed by the grace that comes from the church and the sacraments, but they also become instrumental through their gifts in the healing of others. This is also the sign of a mature and healthy church. It is focused on reaching out to the world with the gospel. It desires to share with others the love it experiences. And we can perceive this transition in our own church. Over the last quarter century, we've grown from being wounded traditionalists, a little leery of the outside world, into being missionary Anglicans. An increasing proportion of our membership comes not only to receive grace, but also to be participants in the ministry through which we spread the grace of God to others. And this is evident in the way we are helping St. Andrew's Church and other Anglican churches, and the way that we're beginning to be called to reach out around the world and work with various people in various countries. We realize that we are not here only for ourselves. We're here to be apostles for other people. We may not be sent to Persia to die as martyrs, but we are also sent out to serve. We are sent out to our friends and family members, to our co-workers, and even to our enemies. We are sent out into our homes and places of work as ambassadors for Christ, to be those who solve the problem rather than create it, who end the argument rather than perpetuate it, who try to understand 
rather than insist on being understood. We are called to be signs and instruments of the presence of God's love in Christ in the midst of a fallen world. And this is why we talk so much about giftedness. Your gifts are the specific endowments and abilities that God has given you so that you can participate in the mission of Christ to the world. And your ministry will be determined in large part by thinking and praying about what gifts you've been given and how they are to be used in service to God and others for Christ. We cannot be the people God calls us to be without a sense of mission. The great error of the world is that it sees the goal of life as accumulating things for ourselves. We will take from the world for our own account. We see this in the things that people aspire to. They want to win the lottery, strike it rich, and build a big home, and retire, and uh, do nothing but enjoy all that they think they've gotten. This is, in fact, death. It's the consequence of sin in the fall. We were made to live for something greater than ourselves. We were made to live for God and then for others in his name. The paradox is that the more fully we embrace our mission, the more full we ourselves will be. When we embrace our giftedness and our mission, we participate and the work of building up the church. The church is not merely a physical building. The church is the new community of people who are bound together in Christ of the Spirit, each member filling his or her God-given role. We were called into this building. We were, as the epistle says, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And we are also sent out to participate in that work of building, to draw others into it, to, to do the work that Christ has sent each of us to do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.